Well, good morning. Good morning. Hi, welcome to Bridgewater. We're glad you're here. Uh, my name is Matt with the joy of being the campus pastor here. And uh, we're, we're uh, going to get to the fun stuff here today in our series. But before we do, I just a couple of things I want to uh, share with you. As we said, uh, Josh Jones, his vote next week is for lead pastor. And if you missed that announcement over the last uh, season here, uh, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, the lead pastor serves to oversee all five of our campuses and our central services ministry. Uh, we love Josh, really excited about him. So if you are a member uh, next week before and after each service out at the Welcome Center, there'll be some people there uh, with a name sheet. If you are not on the name sheet, it means you probably aren't a member yet. You can go to discovery class and solve that problem. Uh, and then uh, we'll vote there and we'll find out the results of that. And upon approval, uh, he'll become the, the lead pastor if that's uh, how the vote goes. So we're excited about that. Continue to be praying for that. But um, on a more somber note, I just wanted to take a minute um, and just pray for our nation. Um, it has been an intense couple weeks um, between the shooting in Buffalo, uh, where 11 lives were lost, the shooting in Texas, where 21 lives were lost. And then there was a shooting in California uh, in between those two at a Taiwanese American church uh, where five were injured and one was killed stopping uh, the gunman. And, and I just sat with some heaviness this week. Um, regardless of where you stand on any political issue, a life is a life um, and a loss is a loss. Um, and, and I know our nation is grieving. I know our cities are grieving. And I know everybody wants to point fingers and blame. And, and I think we just have to point the finger at sin. Uh, that, that really is the, the culprit here is, is sin and the things that have gone wrong in all of humanity, regardless of where we stand. I just want to take a minute to uh, pray for our nation, pray for the families that are grieving. So would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Jesus, we come to you because you're the only one who can solve the real problems here. You are the one who reaches in and changes lives. And we just pray today that you would reach in and change the lives of anyone and everyone surrounding these um, horrific situations. God, we pray for the families who have lost loved ones and lost children. Our hearts are broken. We can't imagine the grief that they are feeling, God. But we pray that today you would bring comfort. And we pray that the churches that are surrounding these areas uh, would bring hope, would bring um, a, a promise of comfort and that they would do what you are calling them to do in this season. Lord, I, I pray for um, specifically those who are related to anybody who's involved in these shootings and just the difficulty that must be surrounding that, having someone you love do something like this. I pray that even they would find your grace and mercy and forgiveness in this, God. We ask that you would just put a protection over our children in this nation, God. Pray that you put a protection over innocent lives. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we need to be, continue to be praying for our nation. Um, we will we'll kind of jump into a series in the summer talking about how we can do that. But in the meantime, let's, let's keep praying. All right, church? Well, we are in uh, week one here of relationship goals, and uh, we're looking at a bunch of different categories of relationships. And if I were to ask you uh, this morning, how many of you have uh, goals for your relationships and you had three seconds to answer, uh, could you tell me the goals for your marriage? Could you tell me the goals for your kids? Could you tell me the goals for your uh, relationships with the people you work with? Could you tell me uh, anything about them? And if that was true, do those goals line up with what uh, scripture would say are to be those goals? See, we all have goals for things that are really important to us, right? Like you hopefully and probably should have career goals. 
things you want to attain to, a certain salary or a pay raise or a level of influence or whatever it be. We have some things that we're kind of chasing in our career goals. If you don't, you probably hate your job, all right? You're just trying to get through nine to five and get out of there. That might be a goal for some of you, but I think maybe there's more for you. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. We have goals for our finances, right? Maybe your goal is to get out of debt. Maybe your goal is to increase your savings account. Maybe your goal is to spend every dollar you make. We would love to talk with you about that goal, all right? Some of us have goals for our bodies, right? It's, it's summertime. Some of us are working on that six-pack. Some of us are working on taking the half keg and turning it into a six-pack. Some of us are working on the full keg, turning it into a half keg, all right? Some of us are working on the summer bodies. Others of us are rocking the dad bod and just loving it, right? Like there's all of these goals, and these goals aren't bad. It, just don't know if it's the most important goals we need to have in our life. I bet if you were to sit down and think through uh, what it is that you really want, you do have some desires and expectations. You just might not always be communicating to those you're in relationship with that you do have these goals, or maybe you don't even know yourself what you're really chasing. And so uh, we want to spend some time kind of talking through that. And this week, we're going to talk about singleness or being single again. And you may think, Why are we talking about singleness in a series on relationships? Well, here's why. Most, and I would probably say 98% of marriage problems are actually singleness problems. Your parenting problems are actually singleness problems. Your work relationship problems are actually singleness problems. And here's what I mean. Every time you come into a relationship, it is you in your singleness bringing everything with you into a relationship with somebody else who's bringing everything they have with them. And what happens is the things that we didn't deal with in our singleness become forefront in the things that we now have to deal with in relationship. And instead of it just being one, now it's two and so as we're talking about singleness, if you're here and you're married, this, this conversation is for you too. If you're here and you're not married, this conversation is for you. If you're here and you're single again, this conversation is for you. And even if you don't feel like you fall into those categories, you know somebody who is walking through this. And there's a way that we're to walk biblically in our singleness or in your singleness. And what's interesting is culture is really shifting this direction. So in 1950, about 22% of the American population was single. As of this year, for the first time ever in American history, there are more single people than there are married people. It's 50.2% single. And so there's been a very huge shift culturally away from uh, the institution of marriage. And I think there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But one, I think, is um, there's a generation or two who's gotten a really bad taste in their mouth for marriage because they've not seen it done well or they've observed it. And so there's just this hesitancy, especially uh, people in my um, generational age group, there's just this hesitancy to marriage because of what they've observed. And um, I think that there's probably some misconceptions there that need to be worked through. But regardless, 50%. So how do we do it? How do you do it in a way that would honor God? How do you, how do you walk through this in a way that honor God? Because there's a way that the world is telling us to do it. And I would say it's probably not the direction that you and I want to go in our life. But even with that trend, there's this little distinction here. So we may be moving away from marriage, but we're certainly not moving towards singleness. Here's what I mean. We we don't necessarily have a culture that's highly married, but we have a culture that's terrified of being alone. 
I mean, terrified of being alone. We will do absolutely anything, jump into any relationship, because being alone sounds so terrifying. And there's this constant run to uh, relationships that will eventually lead you to forget and lose who you are. And we have a culture that doesn't know how to be just themselves. And it's dangerous. Because that's where our marriage problems begin. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that later. But you hear this in conversations we say, like, I'm not going to let us all off the hook. Like, we put this pressure on people that singleness is not where you should be. We say things like, they're at that certain age. Something wrong? Is there no good matches? Do you need to go on vacation and find yourself a man, right? Like there's, there's these things that we kind of say or subtly say or, um, you know, moms especially, no, no shots on you, but you put some pressure on your kids sometimes. Like, honey, I need some grandkids, all right? If you could give me some grandkids, that would be great. Well, what you're saying here is there's this pressure, there's this expectation that there's a next thing for you. And that may be true for some people, but it does not need to be the ultimate goal of your life. Let me, let me say that again. Marriage and kids is not the ultimate goal of your life. If God chooses to put that in your path, and glory to God, that's what he had planned for you. But it is not the ultimate arrival for us as a people. So many people try to get into relationships and get into marriage and then try to figure out their singleness. You know what I'm talking about. Like, like the couple, they get married, and then they spend the majority of their time living their own lives. Right? Like they want their own car, their own house, their own, or their own space, their own hobbies, their own things. Right? They're really just kind of roommates. Well, well, what is that? It's a singleness problem. It's not a marriage problem. It's a singleness problem. It's because they never took the time when they were single to live the life that they wanted to live. So now that they're married, they're trying to spend all their time being single. Well, well that's not going to end in a great manner. And you, you all have seen it, right? The coexisting well, that is a result of not being okay with you as you are in the season that God has called you to be in. So I want to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you were around earlier this year, we jumped into 1 Corinthians and we went through chapters 1 through 6. And we really worked through a whole bunch of stuff. We stopped in chapter 6 because in chapter 7, he's going to deal with relationships and specifically singleness or single again. And, and as I got ready to help kind of prepare this whole series for us, we're working through a whole bunch of relationships. I was just struck by um, how much the Bible has to say that we just totally ignore. Like how much the Bible really talks about these things that we don't lean into. And so I want to lean into this passage today, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And um, we'll see what Paul has to say for us in regards to a singleness and some goals that might be for us in our singleness for being single Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Let me pause right here real quick. He says, um, I have no command from the Lord because earlier in verse 10, he was quoting Jesus on some relationship stuff. So in verse 10, he says basically, thus saith the Lord, this is what he says. But then he gets down to verse 25 and says, hey, this isn't exactly a command from the Lord, but he is an apostle, which means Jesus gave him authority to speak. And this word um, really is to be trusted. But he's, it's important that you catch this. He's saying this is more of a recommendation. This isn't a hard, fast rule. This is 
consider this. He says, I think I have some wisdom. Would you consider this? And then that word uh, virgin in there simply in context would mean somebody who's not married. It would be a single individual is who he's referring to there. Verse 26. Because of this present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Now, we're, we don't really know what the present crisis is that he's referring to. Our best guess is one of two things, that there was a famine kind of moving through the land at that time, for what we can tell from uh, historical records. And so perhaps he's saying, hey, it's kind of hard to find food. Everything's a little tense. Um, maybe at this time, don't get married. It also could be persecution. Persecution was very heavy on Christians at this time. Um, so that coupled with the famine, it sounds like he's saying, life's complicated enough. Don't make it even more complicated by getting married. But he says something really interesting. Um, he says, it is good for a man to remain as he is. You catch that? It's good to be single. We'll, we'll get back to that, but I just find that interesting. Verse 27 are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. He's saying if you're engaged, listen, this isn't that strong of a recommendation. Don't break off the engagement because of this. If, you, if you've gone that far, you're engaged, and you think God is blessing this, go for it. That's awesome. But if you're not engaged, don't make the highest aim of your life to be married right now. And as you hear this, it kind of sounds like Paul is devaluing marriage a little bit, doesn't it? He's just kind of like knocking on marriage, but I don't think that's what he's doing. I think marriage is a high view, as you'll see in some other writings of his. But what he's doing is he's elevating singleness. Right? Like culturally, even back then and today, there's kind of this, it, and I can say it because it was not terribly long ago that I was single, it feels like there's this ranking. There's single people and then there's married people. And Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not true. There's single people and they're married people and they have the same value. They have the same worth. Singleness, let me put it this way, singleness is just as good as marriage. Let me throw this up there. Singleness is just as good as marriage. And you're thinking, what? <laughs> that's not what I've heard. Well, listen, that's what the Bible says. That it's just as good. Maybe another way to say this would be this way. Your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. Your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. And we live in a culture obsessed with relationship status, right? Like you go on somebody's social media profile, there's a picture, there's their name, and within two to three inches, there's their relationship status. Why? Because we, we relate in this kind of concept of you're in this category, I'm in this category. So we have married, we have uh, divorced, we have it's complicated, we have single, and right below single, we have our app to our favorite dating app, right? And it really should be single and ready to mingle, right? Like there's just this, this hyper status and Paul's saying, listen, that's all well and good, but it's not the ultimate thing in your life. What's more important than who you're in relationship with is that you are in relationship with God. What's more important is the things that you do with God, for God, the type of dynamic you have in that because everything you do in earthly relationships will be directly tied to what you have in your relationship with God. He's saying, really, listen, listen, listen. Singles, married people, if you could make pleasing God your highest aim, all these other things would really work themselves out. If that was your sole devotion, all these other things would begin to make 
sense. Now, I want to clarify, because I think as I'm talking about singleness, we might not necessarily understand the same concept here. To be single is is this. I want to read this for you. To be single biblically is to be unmarried, sexually celibate, and not involved in any romantic relationship. The world has two words to describe this, unhappy and impossible. Here's the thing. We may be down in the marriage percentage, but it does not mean we're living godly lives. Like the, the rate of um, sex outside of marriage is, is plummeting. It's decreasing rapidly. But that doesn't mean we're being any holier. It just means we're going to the internet for those things. And so as we consider this singleness thing, it's not, oh, I'm not in a marriage, but you know, I'm just talking. That's not what Paul would call Singleness. What Paul would call singleness is somebody who's unmarried, choosing to live a life set apart to the Lord and not running from relationship to relationship. Here's what I want you to see. Singleness does not equate unhappiness. And there is this myth that runs around that the problem or the solution to my singleness problem is marriage. The solution to my loneliness problem is marriage. Um, Can I tell you, after almost 10 years of ministry, that marriage does not solve your loneliness problem? If it's a problem of you not being comfortable with you, that will come into the marriage. Because um, can I just say that the pain of being alone, of being single, is far less than being in a marriage where you feel alone? Let me, let me say that again. The pain of being alone and the, the, the thing that comes with singleness is far less than being in a marriage where you feel alone where there's no emotional connection, right? Proverbs even says it's better to be alone than to be in a, uh, a bad relationship. And so to, to consider the fact that marriage is not the solution to your unhappiness problem because marriage is where one screwed up person full of sin, uh, difficulties, flaws, and a bunch of weird relatives <laughs> finds another person with sins, flaws, and a bunch of weird relatives and you don't end up with bliss with that concoction. You end up with lots of problems, lots of sin, and a whole bunch of weird relatives, all right? (laughs) If we could slow down and say, all right, what is it that God has for me in this season? And can I find joy and happiness here? Because if I try to find it in the marriage, I will try to pull something from my spouse they were not meant to give me. I need to pull that from God so that I can give something to my spouse. This conversation isn't just for the young group in here. It's for everybody. Listen to what Paul says. We're going to jump down to verse 39 here. It says, a woman is bound to her husband as long as she lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Let me pause right there. God doesn't give a ton of rules on marriage, but this is one of them. If you're a Christian, we marry a Christian. Well, it's not that big of a deal. He goes to church. Okay, just going to church doesn't make him a Christian. Why is this such a big deal? Because your soul is tied to the creator of heaven and earth, and that's going to pull you some directions. And if his isn't, or hers isn't, it's going to pull you in a direction. It's going to create tension. That's free. We'll come back to that next week. I can't get ahead of myself here. All right, verse 40. 
In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think I too have the Spirit of God. Paul is speaking from experience here, and he says, listen, from my judgment, I think she's happier if God has called her into the season of singleness or called him into a season of singleness, that he just use it fully for God's glory. The best we can tell from historical records is that Paul was probably married at one point in his life and she either passed away or when he became um, consumed with following Jesus, she left him. We're not totally sure, but in order to be uh, a Pharisee as he was before Christ found him, he would have had to have been married to fall into that category. But what we can see is that he's single for the entire time that he's writing the Bible and he remains single for the rest of his life. And so Paul is saying, listen, I understand that there's some things about me being a single that I'm free to serve God in a way that makes me really, really happy in my singleness. And that's totally okay. And I think his point is this, you can reach, I'm gonna throw this out there, you can reach purpose without being married. You can reach the purpose God has for you without being married. And you say, well, what about, what about? Listen, Jesus did it. Jesus never got married. He reached incredible purpose for God. Paul spent most of his life single. He did incredible things for God. I think there's something for us there. Verse verse 28, let's keep going here. He says this, But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. I want to spare you this. If any of you said amen in your heart, let's talk later, all right? (laughs) Here's what Paul is doing now. He's being very honest. He says, listen, if you want to get married, hey, that's awesome. This is not a sin. Again, this is just a recommendation. He says, but I want you to realize that more or your marriage does not mean less problems, right? We we talked about that a little bit. He's talking about this idea that when you're pressed together with somebody, things happen, all right? Like marriage um, has this way of exposing us. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, I, I, I was thinking about this. Judge me later. That's fine. Don't judge me now. Judge me later. You're in church. You can wait till you leave the building to judge me. I, I'm a fairly clean fella. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of OCD about like where my food is touched and things like that, um, which made being a missionary really fun. But um, one thing I didn't realize is that people kept track of how often you got in and out of the shower. It was like year one, and I was like getting ready to go somewhere. She's like, you gonna take a shower before you leave? (laughs) Nah. You need to. I just showered. It was four and a half days ago. I was like, oh, you're keeping track, right? Like, like it just has this way of uh, somebody being in your space, somebody knowing you in a way that it, it creates opportunities for you not to hide and it creates opportunities for holiness. But Paul is saying, listen, um, I, I know that this is good and it's right, but just realize that there's things that come with this because your, your attention will be divided. You're going to be distracted. He says uh, here, I want to spare you this. As you read this, I want you to realize that and we're not down on marriage. We love marriage here. We, we value it. Um, but there's just more to life than, than that. Verse 29, I want you to see what Paul says here. It kind of explains this whole concept. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Don't run away with that one. We'll come back to that. (laughs) 
Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Paul kind of sets up this marriage single distension. And he says, here's, here's what I mean. You have to realize that your time is short. Your marriage is good, but it is not necessarily eternal. The things of this life are good, but they are not eternal. The, the things of this world, as it says in verse 31, uh, they're good, but don't be engrossed in them. And he says, basically, would you see the things of this world in the proper perspective, in the proper ranking? Like there is a ton of really good things you can chase with your life that will one day be in a pile of rubble. And we often hear that of like the things and then the relationships, but Paul's even saying, no, 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 they're the same thing. You cannot make your marriage ultimate in your life. You cannot make the pursuit of a marriage ultimate in your life. You cannot, and I'm going to say this, I have two beautiful boys, you cannot make your kids the ultimate thing in your life. Why? Because if you do, they will become a God in your heart and they will move from what is good to what is sinful. You catch that? We can love our kids so much that it's sin. We can love our spouse so much that it's sin. Why? Because they begin to replace ultimate devotion and ultimate affection in our heart. And so he says, no, listen, the world is passing away. So is it forever? Now, what he's not saying is, so go live life, get drunk, and leave your wife behind. That's not what he's saying. That's what you're thinking. Again, let's talk. What he is saying is that we need to live in this world like we're traveling through it, not settling here. Live like travelers, not like a settler. Why? Because this is temporary. And so I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to live life well, but it will not be the end of me. And I love my wife. I'm going to invest in her. I'm going to invest in that relationship, but it is not ultimate. And I think if we can just begin to see it in its proper perspective, singleness doesn't feel that bad anymore. I have been really pressed by this idea lately. I was sitting on my porch yesterday, and God has blessed us with a, a rental place that is just, it's gorgeous, and I get to look at a pond all the time, and it's just a huge blessing. But as I was sitting there enjoying it, I thought to myself, okay, but my lease will come up one day, and then I'll have to leave this place. And it was really good for me as I was sitting there. Like, I've put a ton of work into uh, this, this house and realized I'm going to leave it. And I was mowing the day before that, thinking how futile mowing is. And I used to love mowing, so hear me out. I realized how futile it is because I mowed it, and it's so much rain and, and warmth that, like, by the time I finished mowing this half of the lawn, this half of the lawn is back up. And I was mowing, and it was like hour two and a half of mowing, and I was just thinking, why am I not with my boys right now? Like I'm chasing something that's just going to settle down. Now, take care of your stuff. I'm not saying that. But it just reminded me there's so many things I can spend chasing that just aren't going to be here in eternity. They're just not going to matter much. Could I just keep them in their proper place? Paul goes on to explain what this looks like in uh, relationships in the next verse. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's Affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, as he ought to be. Let me throw that in there. And his interests are divided. 
An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul says singles have it easier in the sense that they don't have to worry about anybody else besides pleasing the Lord. Now, here's the distinction I want to draw on singleness. Singleness does not mean I'm free to do what I want, when I want, however I want, and live a completely selfish life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the singles have an aim of pleasing only God, living a life that honors God, walking in a way that honors God, serving God with full abandon, where the married individual is now torn. They want to serve God, but they also need to go home and serve the wife, which is serving God. I spent most of my life, um, most of my single life, excuse me, most of my single life overseas as a missionary. Spent five years traveling the world, uh, teaching and, and, and talking to people about Jesus. And like, as I looked out how I spent my hours, like I'd get up early and I'd meet with guys before they go to work. I'd work all day. I'd get off work. I'd go play basketball with a bunch of guys um, who were far from the Lord trying to preach the gospel to them. I'd go to the gym with those guys. Like, I spent 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day out with other people. Um, as you can tell, I don't spend all that time in the gym anymore, all right? Because as I go to spend that time and I say, man, I want to go spend some time with lost people, I am constantly weighing that against the fact that two weeks ago, I didn't see my kids for almost 48 hours because I was working so much, right? Like, I, I, I'm divided. Now, are either of those situations and seasons bad? No, they're just different. When I was single, man, I was able to leverage all of my free time, and I had a lot of it, to serve other people. And my wife lived a very similar life overseas of serving kids, and we love this season that God has us in. And I want to I present this to you because I want you to hear this. We so often are in seasons of life, and this is for everybody. We're so often in seasons of life that have their difficulties, that have their trials, and we're so willing to trade the, the season out there or the future in front of us that we don't know about for the one we have here. Because that one over there looks better. It looks like it's got less pain. Listen, it, it has its own troubles. But could we just see the season for what we're in as a gift God has given us for this time to create something in us, to do something in us? Like maybe the reason God has allowed you to be single is because he's chasing something in you. Maybe he's after something. Maybe he's trying to use you in a way to bless somebody. But, but stop asking this question. How quickly can I escape this season? How quickly can I escape this season? L listen, if God has called you to whatever season, sit in it. God, what do you have for me here? Start asking this question instead. How can I leverage this season to do the most for God? How can I leverage this season to do the most for God? So whether you're single, whether you're married, whether, whatever stage you're in, don't escape it. Sit in it. God, what do you have for me here? So what, what, do, you, what do you do with a message like this? How do, you, how do you apply? Well, I have some things that I thought through that I want to bring to you. If you're here and you're single and you just kind of find yourself obsessed with a relationship or the idea of a relationship. Um, always find yourself looking at prospects. Um, maybe it's time to talk to a, a trusted spiritual leader and say, hey, I, I just, I have a hard time being by myself. I have a hard time being alone with me. 
And I'm always running. Maybe begin to have that conversation about how your relationship status has become more important than your spiritual status and begin to sit with the fact that God created you outside of a relationship. We're going to talk about this next week, but, but God didn't create marriage first. He created an individual first. He created Adam, and it was good. Actually, it was very good. And then he created marriage. Maybe you need to have some, some conversations about that. Maybe you're in a season of singleness and you're not walking according to the biblical definition of singleness. Now, now would be the time where God has graciously presented you with this truth, that you can begin to walk in a way that honors God in this season. Maybe you're married, but you've been living like you're single. You've been detached, you've been doing your own thing, and that, that time of your life has passed. <laughs> You entered into a covenant with God, with another individual. It's time to get over yourself. It's time for me to get over me and begin to say, how do I serve and love those who I've entered into covenant with and leave the single life there? Now, does that mean you give up everything you've ever done in love? No. It just means it's put in balance. Maybe you don't feel like you find yourself in any of those categories. Well, I think we lean on what Paul says, for this time is passing away. Maybe you found yourself a little bit too engrossed in the things of the world. And today is a reminder for all of us to say, no, no, no. These are good. I'm going to use them. I'm going to leverage them. But I hold them with open hands because they're passing away. And if God chooses to take out of the season, I'm going to let him take. But I'm going to serve him with full abandon regardless. I won't be caught up with temporary things. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you went before us and you showed us how to live a life <clears throat> in full abandon to the Father. God, there's so many confusing messages out there about relationships and so much that the world has to say. And today, God, we just want to wipe the slate clean and say, all right, God, what does your word have to say? And the things that it speaks that are difficult, I pray that you would give us the courage to walk in them. And the things that are complicated, I pray that you give us wisdom to understand it. Lord, for every person in this room, whatever their earthly relationship status is, I pray that their spiritual relationship with you, the life-giving relationship with you, would be utmost. I pray that in my own heart, God, that you'd help me keep it in line and that because of that, I would be able to be a giver and I'd be able to speak life and I'd be able to offer hope to those around me because I'm so full of my relationship with you. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.